The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, get you to think and feel and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights from the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. We've got a great show for you today. Our very special guest is Terry Painter. He's written a book about commercial real estate. And you'd think that that might be a strange subject to be talking about these days because there's so many you know, malls that are struggling and there's so many commercial retail locations that are not doing well. And there's so much more work doing, uh, being done remotely. But there is always a strong market in commercial real estate if you know what to look for, how to buy, and how to manage your property. So Terry's a, a real pro. He's going to take us through that. And I thought it's a little bit of a different topic, and I wanted to get into it with Terry. I actually had this conversation with him a few months ago, and we had some scheduling issues, and we're going to post it today. So I hope you enjoy our conversation it's a good one, and it's very informative. So how are you doing out there? What's going on? We've got Thanksgiving, and, you know, I could have just run a, uh, a replay on this weekend because I know on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, everybody's with the family watching football, but I figured, you know what? You've got your travel to and from wherever you're going, and you might want to listen to another new episode of Guys Guys Radio. So here we are. So let's talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. I mean, it's that holiday. You get caught up at this time of year. Things go so quickly between, you know, you've got Halloween and then Thanksgiving, and then you've got Christmas and uh, Hanukkah and all of the other holidays that are around uh, the second half of uh, December. And there's just so many that the time of the year goes really fast. And uh, with all of the stress that people have already between, you know, the election that we had that still there's a hangover on that and then also with uh, the pandemic we're still dealing with that it's been a very stressful angst-filled year for people so i think this will be a very special thanksgiving apparently the travel numbers are way up people are getting out there uh, to, to visit and hopefully you have had safe travel and you'll get back from wherever you are uh, after a good family visit uh, at the end of the weekend so God bless everybody, and I hope you have a good Thanksgiving. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's their favorite holiday because, you know, it's got a couple of good things going for it. It's, uh, you don't have to wear a costume, <laughs> you don't have to give presents, and it's all about food and football and family get-togethers. So for a lot of folks, uh, it's their number one. You know, you've got turkey, most people love turkey, you get stuffing, and you don't have a turkey you know, throughout the year that much. You can get turkey sandwiches and this and that, but not that many people buy a, a whole turkey or a fresh killed turkey and roast that. And then you get the stuffing, the homemade stuffing, and that takes a lot of work. And depending on what type of family you have in your background and what you eat, you can have all different types of stuff that goes with it. I know for my family back in New Jersey, it was the most wonderful holiday because 
being uh, Italian-American, was all about the food. So we would start out with um, some type of Italian dish up front. So it would either be raviolis, and then it evolved to uh, some, a chicken soup with raviolettes floating in them, in there, because people were saying, oh, there's too much food. I think my mama was saying that, but it wasn't too much food. But everybody loved the raviolis. And then we would have the turkey and all the trimmings with that and a whole bunch of different pies and stuff like that for dessert. And we'd watch the Lions early game, the Detroit Lions, and then the Dallas Cowboys in the later game. And now they have three games for, for football. So they just keep you locked in there the entire day. And in the meantime, you can argue about Trump and uh, Biden and COVID and everything else during your meals. So it should be an interesting interesting holiday this year. So I would actually advise people not to get into it, like leave the politics behind, leave the whole discussion of the pandemic and the mandates and all that stuff behind and just enjoy the time you have with your family. Because I can tell you from personal experience, it goes quick. I think about back on all of those things, even as I had with my family, I had my Italian grandmother, my German grandmother, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, and most of them are gone, have been replaced by a younger generation, but most of the older folks are gone. The only person that's still around from our holiday Thanksgiving meals is, uh, is my mom, and she's struggling right now. So life goes quickly. So it's important to really embrace your family as best you can, because everybody has different family uh, relationships. But it goes quickly, folks. And you want to, if you have grandparents, you want to really spend time with them because they have a lot of knowledge. They've lived in a different time than we have, and they can impart a lot of wisdom. A lot of times people just ignore their grandparents. They don't think they have anything to say, but they have a lot that they can share. So make sure you uh, give them your love and spend some time with them, and also your parents too, because, and everybody has you know different relationships with their parents. It can be strained, whatever, but time goes quickly. And Thanksgiving is a great time of year just to get together because in a lot of instances, it's the first kind of a holiday for about six months where people actually get together again after, I'm, t I'm thinking back, like July, July 4th, I guess, is a lot of family get-togethers and celebrations and stuff like that. But uh, between then and uh, Thanksgiving, depending where people and families are spread out across the country, a lot of times they don't see each other. And many times, just once a year at Thanksgiving or during the uh, end of December holidays, Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and everything else that happens then. But, you know, Thanksgiving is the first one. So it's a good time. And you have to deal with the anxiety of the, and the pressure with the presents and all that. So you get together, you exchange uh, love, and you eat food together. And you, maybe you watch some football, or maybe you watch some other stuff, or maybe you just sit around and talk, or maybe you play some music, or maybe you toss the ball around in the backyard, whatever. But Enjoy your family as best you can, and I know everybody has stress with family relationships, but do the very best you can to, to have a good one. I'm trying, trying to think of some Thanksgiving stories. The, the one that sticks out for me is I felt so bad because my mom used to work so hard on trying to please everybody on Thanksgiving. And one year, we were waiting for the turkey to be finished, to be cooked. And for some reason, it just wasn't happening. And what happened was we discovered that only half the oven was working. So, I mean, what we probably should have done in retrospect is kept flip, flipped the turkey to the other side of the oven, but we didn't. 
we just waited and waited and waited and it just never got done and we ended up not having a turkey for Thanksgiving and I felt so terrible for my mom because she put so much love and time into it but you know that's the that's the way it is and that's all the more reason why you want to really spend that time with your loved ones and just enjoy being together because that's really what it's all about so happy Thanksgiving everybody I hope you're doing well all right so my special guest as I mentioned is Terry Painter He's got some interesting stories and information to share about commercial real estate. So if you, you know, we all know how crazy the real estate market is now, particularly for uh, residential. But commercial real estate, too, is going through a lot of changes. So I think you're really going to like this uh, conversation that we have. So let's get into it right now, right here on Guys Guys Radio. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, Guys Guys Radio, an interview portion of our show, and we've got a great guest today and a, a really interesting topic. We're going to talk about commercial real estate with one of the titans of the industry. His name is Terry Painter. He's written an incredible book called The Encyclopedia of Commercial Real Estate Advice. It's very user-friendly. It answers just about any question you could ever have about commercial real estate. Let me tell you a little bit about Terry and then we'll bring him on. Um, Terry is the founder of the Apartment Loan Store and the Business Loan Store. $4 billion in commercial loans have closed through Terry in the past, I don't know, about 30 years or so. He's a member of the Oregon Bankers uh, Association, Forbes Real Estate Council. He's also a writer. He resides in Oregon and the Dominican Republic, and I'm sure he's rolling in cash with all his work on commercial (laughs) real estate. And we're going to get into, you know, a very fluid market right now and try to answer as many of the questions that you might have out there uh, during the course of the show. So Terry Painter, welcome to Guys Guys Radio. Thanks for being hey. here. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So let's start right at the beginning, Terry. How did you get involved with commercial real estate? Did you use your own money? And why did you choose commercial versus uh, you know consumer real estate, homes, if hey, you will? What's kind of unique about me is that although I have invested in all kinds of real estate, including commercial property, uh, what my background comes from is more is actually uh, is actually having closed and worked on hundreds and hundreds of commercial real estate loans, including business loans, uh, over the past actually 24 years. Did you ever use your own money when you got started, or did you always borrow? Um, I actually mostly borrowed. I did put uh, actually my background is actually that I actually had a chain of restaurants. And oh, okay. I took out many loans and I just fell in love with uh, putting deals together. That's my passion. And so I just, it was getting expensive, always having, always building another restaurant. So I decided ju- that I better find something else to do. And so this has been a perfect job for me. You know, it's interesting. I watched the movie, The Founder, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, Ray Kroc, he, his vision for McDonald's after he kind of got through you know, the system and kind of figured it all out. I I also, I'd worked on KFC in my advertising career. So I understand the kind of the franchisees uh, business model, but uh, for Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's uh, or arguably one of the founders of McDonald's, he realized at a certain point that really building McDonald's was a real estate play, not a food play. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts about that since you come from the QSR background? Yeah, with, without question, it really, it's really a numbers game for Ray you know, creating more locations. I mean, he obviously was very successful after after just a few years. And and I, a lot of my clients view, I mean, they're exceptionally wealthy. 
not everybody, but a lot of them have just built their wealth over the years. And you wonder like, why do they need even more money? Why are they buying another shopping center or another apartment complex or building one? You know, mm-hmm. but it's, it becomes uh, a numbers game in my opinion. Yeah. Your start then, uh, commercial real estate, uh, how long have you been doing it? And then how have you kind of navigated the changes in the market over the past 30 years? Yeah, well, I've been doing it for 24 years and uh, I started out just on the West Coast and as a, as a actually a commercial mortgage broker. And then we, we expanded eventually nationally to become mortgage bankers where we sold loans on the secondary market. We did, all, we did just about every type of commercial real estate, uh, all, all types of commercial real estate lending. So I've been through, this is my th- kind of like my third recession uh, that, that we've been through. And each time I see, you know, each, each time, you know, there's similarities, but the, I mean, but this last recession, the coronavirus recession caused by a pandemic is quite different. There's a lot, I mean, it's really quite shockingly different. Uh, mostly the, the other recessions were caused by just prices getting unreason, unreasonably high and the market needing a correction more so. And like with the great recession, you know, it was, it was obviously created uh, you know, just by, you know, the housing market, right. and, you know, subprime loans and so on. But this, but the, this uh, recession being caused by a pandemic, what we have now are instead of commercial properties and housing uh, going down in value, it's going up, which is quite unique. There are some, of course, types of commercial properties that are not going up because they're just, they're in survival mode, like retail, office, and hospitality. So... Which are the ones then that are increasing in value for commercial real estate? Well, without question, um, you know, the number one is multifamily apartment buildings. Okay. Uh, and yeah, and then we also industrial uh, industrial properties are doing very well, especially um, you know, and we have self storage. Self storage is like uh, during recessions does well, and during good times it does well. So. So let's talk a little bit more about COVID. What do you see with the overall market? Uh, let's include, you know, homes, uh, people buying homes, as well as commercial real estate. You've got, uh, I come from New York City, and I read something that said four out of five workers will continue to be doing some type of remote work uh, ongoing. So that's like just about, that's 80% of the workforce. They don't expect people to be back to work in offices. And I know from talking to a lot of my friends, you've got a lot of really expensive because I, as a president of an ad agency, we used to look around and find different places to have our offices as we grew or shrank. And it's, it was, it's a fluid market always, but right now there's so much empty space there and it doesn't look like the empty space in a, and let's take New York as a big city example. It, it doesn't look like that's going to change. What can people who are invested in commercial real estate and office buildings, what can they do? They just have to like, they have so much money they can afford to like ride it out. Because it doesn't seem like New well, place like New York is going to come back real soon. It's, it will come back eventually, but it's going to take a while. Yeah, I think that, I think unfortunately New York is going to be severely impacted uh, by this by just the changes in habits. Uh, let's take a look at let's take a look at it after that in the aftermath of the Great Recession around uh, 2010, roughly offices started coming back. And the same thing happened then, but not at the level that is happening now. But what happened even, so I had 
in 2007, 2008, I had 14 employees. We were in a large office building, fairly large, and, and I had to cut back. We all went into home offices. Well, guess what? All of my workers today are still in home offices because we like it, you know? I'm wearing a shirt today. Normally, I'd be in a tank top or a T-shirt, you know? So it's kind of like, um, and so I think that habits have changed. And in this case, uh, you know, more uh, business owners that have off, that have office space, you know, they're, if they're doing well, they're going to keep making their payments. But, when they're, but are they going to renew their lease? That's the question. They've already found out that they can operate quite efficiently with people being in home offices. In fact, employees quite often can be more productive. They have less time commuting. They have better. They have more time with their families, and overall, they're happier. So, of course, there's there's a lot of um, of service businesses that do require, you know, to meet with people and they meet, they do need offices, you know, the same thing for uh, product related, you know, businesses. So, but we're not seeing it. So what we're also seeing is that people who would normally invest, if, they have a, if they're doing the 1031 exchange right now, they can't really sell their office. If they're, if they're planning on it, they can't really, we have clients right now, they can't sell their office buildings because they've got to wait and see what happens. Um, we have, we have the same thing with retail properties. It's not a good time to sell those because they're just not, I mean, a commercial property, the value is really based just like any business. It's based upon its income. And so if the income is in question, you know, you know, or is not, is doing poorly, uh, it's, in, in most cases, we, we just have rent collection problems. Uh, if that's a, that's a case, it's difficult to get financing for these properties. And, uh, and, it's, and it's going to be um, challenging to find new Renters. So what I see is that, that a lot of these properties, retail and office, are going to be repositioned. There is a shortage right now of housing, for instance, starting with uh, single-family homes. Why is that? Because uh, because really, actually, if somebody wants to sell their home, uh, you know, they're, what are they going to buy? It's, if, if homes are so expensive, can they actually find something in the same price range of what they've sold for? Or is it going to be even more expensive? Prices are still going up. Um, same thing is true for somebody who wants to get out of retail and or does not want to invest in retail office or hospitality. Those people are now fleeing to apartments, which is driving the prices up. Plus, you know, just because of COVID, um, there's just a lack of people on the pavement, pounding the pavement, looking for properties. People are staying home. You know, this this has this is really affected. This is another factor in a, that has affected you know real estate sales right now. Amazing. Terry Painter, my guest on Guys Guys Radio, we're talking about the impact of COVID on commercial real estate. So it seems like there's a, it's a domino effect because if you have the office towers uh, empty and then you have the seller uh, ancillary businesses around them, the restaurants, the, the coffee shops, the re small retailers, they're, they're hurting now also. You're going to have to uh, look at retooling, repositioning the office building to make them into livable spaces. Can you turn them into condos? I know in some instances that's been done. Yes, you know, that, that we, we, in all recessions, we, we see there, that that's one of the golden opportunities is repositioning. But, but we just there's just so many office properties and retail centers that are going to have too much space. And keep in mind that any commercial property that has, let's just say, over 20% uh, vacancy is considered distressed. So then it becomes to finance these properties. So if somebody has a new, new business plan and can convert this, this property into, uh, you know, 
like like converted into something that there is a need for. An example is like during the last recession, uh, some of the office buildings and some of the apartment. Well, just like let's just say let's just take a look at hotels. Some hotels that were not making it were were uh, put were made into were repositioned into student housing. You know, so that was an opportunity in some university towns. So it's it's expensive, and so it it really entails it really that you know that if you're going to purchase a property and reposition it, you've got to get it for, you know, an outstanding price uh, because it's going to, you know, cost, it's going to be very expensive to go through the whole process. It's, it's major construction. I know you're an expert on commercial real estate, but I think you're an expert on money and real estate in general. So just for our listeners out there, when we have the situation where the wages aren't going up, the prices of the real estate is rising, continuing to rise. The inventory is is down. I'm not down. There's just there's not a lot of inventory, and the new home starts aren't moving fast enough. You do have the issue of the forbearance and foreclosures, and I've read that that'll right. create 10 million homes will will come on the market because usually there's foreclosure homes on the market, and now there there haven't been. How do you see the retail marketplace shaping up over the remainder of 2021 and 2022? Okay, well, of course, this is just my opinion, but please, we take, if we okay, first of all, let's take a look at for you know foreclosures. Okay, so those have been those have, it, it, those have just actually everything because of forbearance as well. Those have been delayed. However, we're not talking about you know up middle class and upper middle class homes for the most part. People that have been affected by this uh, by this pandemic have primarily been people working in, in you know the service industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, blue collar workers and so on that uh, have literally had their jobs eliminated and their unemployment is running out. So a lot of those people do own homes and they're exhausting the, the relief that's that's out there for them. So so as far so what that is going to do is uh, is obviously open up some opportunity to buy once these do go through foreclosure is to uh, is you know is to buy them as properties. However, what we're faced with is that prices are still high, you know, and you, it doesn't really work to buy, let's say, a home for over two hundred thousand dollars in America and then expect to rent it out at, a, at, at you know at a wage. I mean, I'm sorry, at a rent that's uh, anywhere near affordable for you know somebody making you know under sixty thousand a year. So, uh, so we have uh, we have kind of like a there's something unique going on there is what I'm trying to say. So we have is that these prices that are going up really work okay, you know, for, for single family homes or even duplexes and fourplexes work can work certainly for somebody who's going to buy a home and live in it. But for somebody who wants to buy investment property, that price has to come down so that they could afford to pay that price and and get a return on their investment. Does that right. make sense? It makes perfect sense. I'm um, just one last part of that for the individual buyers for their own personal home. Do you, you know, to me, it's like there's not enough inventory. The prices continue to go up and the wages aren't going up. And a lot of people are out of work and they're, uh, you know, the stimulus is a stimulus. $1,400 isn't going to get you that far. I mean, if you have a couple kids, yeah, you get a little bit, but this, it's really, it's just peanuts. What's going to happen with the, uh, with the ha- price of homes, can it continue just to go straight up? It's well, crazy. Yeah, this you know, it's just that there's four phases to the real estate market cycle. We always okay. Generally, where the state that we're in is happens uh, in what we call the hyper supply phase. This is this this is 
because it's been such a seller's market for so long. There's a need for more construction starts, some more more rehab starts, some more properties are improved, more properties are built, then there's too many units on the market, and then uh, prices still are unrealistically high, and then the bubble bursts, and then prices come down. So right now, what's happened is that prices are unrealistically high. And what happens is that so if somebody wants to buy commercial real estate or even an investment property, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, you can't really buy a, a home, pay, you know, 200, 250, 400,000 for a home and expect to just rent it out just to people who are, to the major people who are, are looking to rent homes. And the same thing is true for investors of commercial real estate. I mean, how, if, if let's just say, like right now, where you live in San Diego, Robert, we're looking at properties, commercial properties that are that are at closer to a four cap, which means that you're, you're getting, you're getting, if you want to look at it like you're investing in the stock market, you're getting a return of 4% interest on the money you've invested. And so, or, or the value of that property. And so what it really gets down to is that are people going to really want to make less than 4%, you know, uh, on, on, on real estate investments? And, and and then also it's just, we have the same problem on the commercial real estate side, you know can, you can't just raise rents right now. We're in a pandemic. There's not a, there's um, even, even uh, you know a quality A and B luxury apartment buildings. We're not seeing rents go up on those right now. Rents are being held steady, but they're not going up. So if you, if oh. the prices keep going up, how in commercial real estate it does? I mean this is something that I have. A discussion with a lot of my clients that want to buy properties that are just unrealistically high. I have to tell them if they're buying at the, t- in my opinion, at the top of the market. Why both, do you both commercial do and and consumer? Oh, absolutely. Both. Okay. You're buying, yeah. Like I, yeah, you happen to mention you're looking to buy a home, like, but you're going to be buying at the top of the market right now. You know, there, there's going to, it's, it's good. There has to come a point where, where economics has to play a part. And what you know, we're based based upon, you know, in, uh, incomes, uh, what people can afford for rent, uh, and so on. It has to it has to play a factor in where prices are going. Terry Painter, you've been so generous with your time about personal real estate. Let's get into the commercial. Let's spend some time on that. So, how does somebody get started if they say, "Okay, I dig what Terry's saying. I'd like to go purchase a commercial property." They've got to go through the checklist in your book. You have a nice checklist about which is the high risk, what's the lower risk. Obviously, you go where the money is when you're dealing with uh, the lower income areas and also types of businesses that need to be retrofit and you have to spend more money. But if, you, if, you're, if you're just a regular person and you say, I want to switch my career to get into commercial real estate, should they do it? And what are the yeah. three steps they should take to get started? Okay. Well, I just wrote, it's interesting because I just wrote an article for Forbes magazine called uh, uh, Getting Started in Real Estate, Doing Real Estate Syndication and Why Not Start at the Top? Okay, mm-hmm. well, well, we're really taught and most of the gurus out there that teach people to invest in income property, income real estate, tell them to start small. However, somehow I ended up working for, let's say, uh, probably over 25 people over the years. I've helped them. Uh, buy commercial properties, and 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 those people are really starting at the top. So if you think about it, if you have one rental home, you know, 
and you're going to do all the maintenance and manage that yourself. That's quite a bit of work if you have a full-time job. Sure. Now, if you, if you graduate and you eventually have six or eight of those, you're going to be driving all over town, taking care of these properties. Think about the economy of scale. If you have, let's say, even a 12-plex where you have you know, all your units on one roof, well, now the property's going to produce more income. And, you know, uh, insurance, taxes, and a bunch of stuff is going to drop on those property and to increase the profitability of that property. Plus, okay, so and so as far as getting started, what you know, you really you it's really hard to start with no money and no experience. There are gurus that tell you that you can do that, but I'm going to tell you it's really hard. Uh, what I recommend in my book, and I, I have a uh, I have a really good section on raising investors and with and have not having if you don't have a lot of money and experience my purpose in writing this book uh one of the main purposes was to encourage more people to get into it because with co commercial real estate you have five sources of income um you have uh you know rent you know you have the income from the rents you have rental increases you have appreciation depreciation and the ability to take your the equity in that property and make even more money on it by investing in more real estate through refinancing the property or doing a 1031 exchange. And so this is something that I really want to be, I really, I'm trying to encourage more people to do this, but you've got to have the right personality for it. The people who have done this are the type of people that are just, they're not necessarily, uh, they're not necessarily, uh, they don't necessarily have the experience or they're not necessarily the sharpest knife in the drawer, but they don't know they can't do something. They really believe in themselves. They have a lot of confidence. So having a lot of confidence and also learning the basics of how to evaluate an income property, whether it is a single family rental or that 12 or 24 plex apartment building, if you're going to get started, you need to really be able to evaluate that investment. That's number one. Uh, number two, you've got to bring in, if you don't have any experience, you need to bring in people who do. Take on your, you know, and also if you're going to raise investors, make sure your first investor uh, is somebody who has that experience and also has has the net worth and uh, cash to uh, qualify for financing. And uh, thirdly, you're going to have to uh, be able to sell investors. You're going to need to raise money, and that's how you can actually uh, start out at the top, so to speak, by buying a larger property. We're talking about you know commercial real estate, and by bringing being able to raise investors uh, and to raise investors or to raise financing for that matter, you've got to have a dynamite property. So, if you are the type of person who wants could spend the time and is excited about real estate, you can go on LoopNet, which is the largest listing of uh, commercial real estate for sale in, in the country. And and you could find these properties, or even find some off-listed, uh, you know, not non-listed properties. And it's a great property. You're going to get the attention of investors and lenders. And this is how it's this is how it's done. Now you mentioned a 1030 exchange. What is that for our listeners? 1031 exchange. 1031. Okay, so yeah, so uh, so I have in my book I talk about this one client of mine who in around 2002 bought one. Uh, uh, I think it was a, a sixplex in Oakland, California. And over time, what he did is he would fix them up, raise the rents. And then if they were, 
uh, if there was still room for them to grow, we would hang out to them and, and do a cash out refinance and buy more property. But, but once a property reaches its potential and the market is strong like it is right now, it's a great time to buy a pro to buy another, we call a replacement property. And you could buy a property that has much more income, much more depreciation, and you can leverage your equity from the old property by buying a new one. And you could do a tax, it's not tax free, but you're, um, you're just putting the taxes off for a while. You might never have to pay taxes on that gain, but you're, what you're doing is you're, you're creating, you're buying a, a, a larger property that has more income and more depreciation. Terry Painter is our guest on Guys Guys Radio. The name of his book is The Encyclopedia of Commercial Real Estate Advice, How to Add Value When Buying, Selling, Repositioning, Developing, Financing, and Managing. What is repositioning a property? Okay, well, re repositioning is the most fun part to me about commercial real estate, but it could be also could be done with a with a uh, a rental home, for that matter. But it's actually there's it's actually increasing the value. It's doing value add, and what's really amazing is some of my clients are just so brilliant at this. They just see value where the seller never saw never saw the value. Or but there's a lot of people who own income producing real estate that are just burnt out, or maybe they've gone through a divorce, maybe somebody died, somebody's inherited that property. There's all these opportunities out there. But the number, what we really, but there's really three forms of repositioning. The first one is operational and it's very inexpensive. All you need to do is find a property that has under market rents and work on increasing those rents over time and also lowering expenses. Okay, the second type of repositioning is actually doing cosmetic uh, work on the property, which is basically, you know, if it's an apartment building, change, you know, new appliances, new floor coverings, uh, some paint, you know, just give it some shine. That's not too expensive either. The third type is actually doing major rehab or what we call constructional repositioning. And that could add more value, but it has the highest amount of risk because, um, because it's really hard to, it's really hard to buy a property at the right price without knowing exactly what it's going to cost you to rehab it and also how long it's going to take before you could start making it income, income producing again by bringing in rents, you know? So if you take too long, you could lose the property. So but that's what repositioning is all about. It's the most exciting part for a lot of my clients. You know, with the advent of Amazon, obviously has, 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 was doing great to begin with. Not only do they get you everything you want from the retailer brand names that you like, now they're they're creating their own brand lines. Basically, they're making everything. Uh, so you yes. can buy a you can buy a hoodie or whatever from Amazon and save ten bucks on it or whatever. So they're yeah. everywhere. What what is the individual retailer? Is it is it over for the small retailer? Even if you're uh, if you're part of a big chain and you just have an individual store, those stores going to go away. What's what's going to happen with all that retail space there? Well, you know that's that's you know that's really the bottom line question for today. Retail was in trouble before the Great Recession. Yeah, I'm right. sorry, before this pandemic happened, and because because of the trend towards buying online, and what what we see is that in fact I even tell my employees that we've got to be we do have to be really sharp at what we're doing, and also be always be like we have an online. Right now, most of our income from my business comes from online sales. We sell we have apartment loan stores is an online, you know, buy a commercial loan online, you know. And fortunately, we made that switch, but because every business can become obsolete at some time, who would have thought that there would be no more video stores, no more one-hour photos, and so on? And who who I mean it's just like Walmart put out so many small 
you know, businesses, you know, hardware stores, pharmacies, you know, some of these people, these hardware stores were my clients, you know, and so on. And so, so this is another time for change. And, uh, you know, really nobody knows the answer to that question, but it's quite obvious that we are going to have, uh, there's just, no, you know, the rents in these like large indoor shopping malls are very expensive. So, uh, you know, what do you do when you have uh, 400 Barnes and Nobles go out, at, you know, at one time? What do you do when you have, you know, when you have something like the Gap that suddenly lays off 60,000 employees from these these in, these stores that are, you know, in shopping malls? You know, they, of course, they all own a bunch of, there's a bunch of stores under that, under the name of that corporation. But so uh, now we have owners of these shopping malls that have to pay their, that have to pay their mortgage payments. How do they do that when they, when a third of the tenants are not going to be there or are not currently paying rent? So, you know, there's, there's and so what's going to happen is that there, unfortunately, when we have, we have what I would call severe economic downturns, uh, we, there's always winners and losers. Unfortunately, there's good, there's, this, this brings up an opportunity for somebody to come in and, you know, uh, re, you know, buy a shopping center, buy a strip mall, you know, uh, and just actually do something, you know, keep a lot of the space uh, for um, what it was previously used for, but also bring in more, bring in some medical office, bring in some dental, more dental practices, bring in, you know, bring in, do some really creative uh, repositioning of the tenants to create, you know, that's what I see is going to happen, but prices are going to have to come down on these properties. And as I said, there's going to be winners and losers, unfortunately. Interesting point you made, and you make it in the book also, is that some of the businesses that will thrive will be um, medical, dental, because the aging population. And so there's always going to be a, a need for that. Um, in the book, you also mentioned something I think that's near and dear to a lot of uh, commercial real estate owners, and that is property managers and how not to get ripped off by property managers. Yeah, okay. Well, that's one of the that's one of the most astounding chapters I think in my book is on management, and I do talk about eleven methods that uh, it, it's more the mom and pop property management companies. And please understand that a lot of a lot of them, the majority, are honest, hardworking people. But the opportunity is there, and I identify eleven different methods that property managers. Uh, uh, can and often do rip off uh, their the property owners and and it's just give, like, give us three give us three examples of okay how okay they well that. the number one and you have to understand that these have all come from my clients mm -hmm. like the, there's an example in my book of uh, you know the, the one of my doctor clients who owns an apartment building and his property manager because he was out of state he li he lives in San Diego the property was in Oklahoma his property manager simply she did several things of the, of the, of the things I mentioned in my book one is that she started she started collecting rents in cash and also having money orders made out to her to herself claiming she was the owner of the property so she was siphoning off cash in that case she was then reporting those units as vacant okay probably embezzlement is the number one and I go through in my book nine different methods that property managers can embezzle from you, and uh, and that's it's just you know it's just you know, it's anything from cooking the books to actually creating uh, a a company that doesn't really exist that they own and and build that co company for work that's done that money is then goes into the property manager's pocket. 
one, you know, one very simple one that is not even thought of is that the property manager, if they're buying cleaning supplies and uh, and maintenance supplies for your property, they can also go to, if they're doing that at Costco, they could buy stuff for themselves, you know, at the same time. So these are, you know, so you've got to really, in order to eliminate these, you've got to really be very diligent and, and you've got to stay on top and manage your property manager. And, and if they sounds- know you're watching all these things, they're not going to be able to get away with it. Okay. Uh, valuing a property in 15 minutes. That's one of the points that you're an expert on. How can the, the novice get out there and take a look at a property and say, how do I evaluate this? Okay. Well, um, here's the thing is because that, because so well, uh, for the most part, it's easier to, to do this with an apartment complex than anything else. So what uh, the easiest, one of the easiest ways to, it's really important when you're buying a commercial property or for that matter, any income property. Uh, to actually not just go by what, you know, uh, comparables are selling for or the real estate professionals are telling you this property is worth or what it's priced at, but you really have to take a look at, you know, you have to really take a look at, you know, this is, this is the income of the property which really support this price. Are you going to buy this property because, because it has future potential and wait several years before it actually gives you the cash on cash return that you need for your investment money. So what, so actually determining the value is important. And I give, there's actually give a, I just did a YouTube video on this as well. And it's actually, it is, it actually is possible to actually value a property yourself in 15 minutes, but what takes a little bit longer than that is you're going to define three comparables. You could just go on LoopNet or ask a real estate professional for, for these three comparables. But what you're going to do, number one, is you're going to uh, just take, if it's an apartment complex, it's just take a look at what is the cost of the property per door, the average cost per door for your property. Then you're going to average the cost per door in with the three other uh, properties that you're comparing it to and come up with a value for the property based on, on that. Um, and, and so there's method. The methods are, are rather simple. Um, another method, uh, the gross rent multiplier method, is something I don't really have time to go into on this on this show, but uh, but that is defined in my book. And if you could just if you just compare the gross rent multiplier on your property, which is really taking a look at uh, what what the rents are compared compared to the sales price of the property, and then the the last one is just actually comparing averaging the cap rates of com- properties that have sold. And properties uh, and the property that you want to buy. The cap rate is actually determined by uh, just taking the uh, the net income of the property and dividing it into the purchase price. It's, it's you know taking a look at the at the purchase price of the property, and if you were to pay cash for it, what would that earn you as a percentage? Yeah, you know, and got it, got that's it. the cap rate. So so these are so actually being able to value a property rather and learning how to do this rather quickly so you could evaluate a lot of properties is, is very important when you're buying in, in any sort of any kind of income property okay my special guest on guys guys radio terry painter he's the goat here uh, encyclopedia of commercial real estate advice how to add value when buying selling repositioning developing and financing and managing your properties last question terry then i'll let you go um what are the three things, uh, and real quick, that people need to ask themselves before embarking on a journey into commercial real estate? Okay, well, I'd say number one, the number one is, do you have a love of making money this way? 
because it's going to be a hard job to do, I assure you, if you're just doing this for the money. In other words, if you're already in business for yourself, then you're already a accounts candidate because it means you're an entrepreneur. And entrepreneurs make the best investors of commercial real estate. Uh, and I love working with them because I love working with entrepreneurs, okay? Second of all, are you willing to not take shortcuts and do your due diligence? Are you willing to, if you have too much on your plate already, you're raising kids, uh, your spouse is complaining that you're working too hard and you're not, you don't have, and you're now going to buy an investment property. Well, if you just, if you just take a look at what's in the marketing flyer that the uh, real estate broker is putting out and you just believe that you're going to probably be paying too much for a property. So are you going to, are you going to be willing to do the work? Okay. And thirdly, um, are you willing to get help? In other words, admit that you don't know something. If you're just getting started, there are people out there that can tell you. In fact, there's so much free advice out there. Uh, you could go on Google, you could go on YouTube. There's all these tutorials on how to buy commercial estate. And there's some great books, mine being just one of them out there. Uh -huh. They can all help right. you. So that's what I advise. Yeah. Fantastic. I, you're the best, Terry. Uh, thank you so much. The Encyclopedia of Commercial Real Estate Advice, Terry Painter, my guest on Guys Guys Radio. Where can everybody find out more about you and your uh, book? Okay, well, you actually, if you, you could actually get a sample of the book on Amazon or, or purchase it if, you, if you'd like. Uh, and otherwise, uh, you could go to apartmentloanstore.com if you're interested in uh, commercial real estate financing. That's uh, And there's lots of articles written on that website that could also teach you a lot about commercial real estate as well. Fantastic. Thank you, Terry, for being on Guys Guys Radio. Terry Painter, you're a guys guy. Okay, it's a pleasure. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, what an informative conversation with Terry Painter. I mean, he is truly an expert in commercial real estate. He founded the apartment loan store and the business loan store. These are mortgage banking firms that have closed over $4 billion in commercial loans nationally. Uh, he really knows his stuff. So we talked about some uh, techniques to recession-proof your investments, how to get started in commercial real estate, how to work with property managers, a lot of money-saving tips, and how to get the best deals on loans. And we also talked a lot about residential real estate because, uh, you know, as we know, the commercial real estate market's a little tricky right now. There's always opportunities, but the commercial real estate, uh, you have to be pretty savvy right now to, to, to make money on it, and you have to be liquid and you have to be willing to work with the timing to get your return on investment because you know there's a lot of commercial real estate available and uh, you see what's happening with the malls and stuff. There's less foot traffic and a lot of people are buying more and more stuff online and people are living remotely more and more, whether it's work or just how they live. People are getting stuff to deliver. They don't go out as much. You're dealing with COVID. You're dealing with a lot of anxiety out there. And uh, the way we live has changed. So real estate is part of that. So when you're dealing with commercial real estate, excuse me, residential real estate, the prices, as we know, have gone crazy uh, to buy and as well as to rent here in Southern California, uh, as well as many other areas, people are getting priced out from buying and uh, renting is tough. It's just a squeeze on everybody because the rents have gone up also. Uh, but the good news is the interest rates are still pretty low for mortgages. So if you can find something that, uh, you know, fits your needs and uh, what you're looking for, 
maybe it's still a good time to jump in. Uh, the people I've talked to in the real estate industry besides Terry, they say, you know what, uh, particularly here in Southern California, they say it really never goes down. There might be a blip, but then it's going to keep chur chur churning back up again. And the, and the way people live here seems to be pretty transient in the way that they'll, they'll buy something and maybe then they'll rent it out. And they'll buy something else and rent that out. And then they just keep moving. And it's a whole part of your lifestyle is how you negotiate and work with real estate. So it's fascinating. It's a little bit different than back east. Back east, when I lived in New York City, the, the game was um, you, if you weren't a billionaire, <laughs> which you have to be to have a really fun lifestyle in New York now, you would probably consider moving to uh, areas that hadn't been kind of redeveloped yet. And that's and buy into a new building or rent in a new building and then hang in there for a while. And if you did buy, then sell uh, after five years or so and then move to the next neighborhood that's on the upswing. And then eventually you'll have a, a, a bunch of cash from your uh, transactions. But it's a little bit different here uh, where there's a lot of buying, selling, renting and all of that. Um, it seems more as that's part of your lifestyle. People keep moving faster, I think, out here than they do in New York. Anyhow, that's just been my experience and from the folks I've talked to. But today, our focus again was on Terry's book about commercial real estate, the Encyclopedia of Commercial Real Estate Advice. If you are thinking about commercial real estate, I would highly recommend you check out Terry and his book because it's good stuff. So I'm, I'm glad uh, I came on the show today. And you know, on Guys Guys Radio, we, we bring you all different types of guests, all different types of information. So we have metaphysical teachers, we have wellness, diet, alternative medicine experts with a lot of different opinions on stuff. We've had uh, New York Times bestselling authors. I've got some good sports people coming up on the show and people from Hollywood. And uh, we're on our 489th show, I believe, is today. So we've got 11 more till we hit that magic 500th show. So I hope you'll hang in there because I've got some big plans for number 500. So guys, guys radio, we're here on KCAA radio every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific time, 102.3, 106.5 FM, 1050 AM. The podcast and my YouTube post Thursdays worldwide. Uh, the YouTube is called, we call it guys, guys TV, but to find it, just use my name, Robert Manny. You want to, you want to support me, the work we're doing here to bring you all these great guests with the content that helps you live your best lives, I would ask you to do just one thing. Subscribe to either the podcast or the YouTube. It makes a difference and it helps me get great guests and helps me keep the show going for you. And that's really my intention. We've got a lot more great guests coming up, as I mentioned. Um, the show also, the KCAA show, rebroadcasts every Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific time here in Southern California. You can catch uh, the podcast and my YouTube, as I mentioned, worldwide every Thursday. And it's pretty much the podcast is everywhere you, you consume your podcast. We're on over 30 global platforms. Uh, so there's no excuse not to be able to find the show. And you can always just Google my name or Guys Guys Radio if you, if you want to find it. Or just go to Apple. My podcast is easy to find there. And every place else, all the big ones, all the big platforms. So... You can catch me also on my website, robertmanny, M-A-N-N-I.com. There I've got over 
300 blog posts about life, love, the pursuit of happiness. I drill into a lot of issues. I'm just finishing up one. I had mentioned it, I think, last week. It's about how to get unstuck because I'm noticing so many guys, particularly aging guys, they get, they get stuck and they don't change and they just lock in and they dig in and they'll never say they're wrong and they just, you know how it is. You get these grumpy old men and I see a lot of my friends because I'm a boomer and they're starting to get rigid in their th ways of thinking and they're great guys and everything, but they're, they're not open enough to new ideas in my opinion. And I think you really, I think there's a difference between um, when some guys age, they think that the world's going to like bend to them. And they want things to be back the way they used to be. And you know what? It ain't going to happen. I think what men really need to do is, to, as they age, is to become more adaptable to an ever-changing world because that's really what's going to happen. The world's not going to change for you. The world's going to change, and it's up to you to decide if you want to go along with it and work within the changes or if you want to just dig in your heels and say, no, I'm not going to do that. That's up to you guys, boomer guys out there. It's up to you. Um, I would recommend that you consider being a little more adaptable. Uh, and sometimes it's not easy, but ultimately it helps. So anyhow, we've got over 300 blog posts on my website. We can also download three free chapters of my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love, which is a source material for all things Guy's Guy. It's about two men in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money in New York City. And it's really about men. Uh, it's a sneak behind, a peek behind a curtain, if you will, to the lives of men and single men. And it shows their flaws and their weird, wacky ways. But you know what? It ain't so bad. These are, there's toxic guys, but there's good guys also. And there's guys, guys. And I think you'll get a flavor for all of them. And people seem to really enjoy the book, men and women. Um, really seem to have some fun with it because it is a romantic comedy and guys usually don't read rom-coms but in this case they do because it's from the male perspective and it's not uh, misogynist it's fun and it's real and it's authentic and you've got some savvy women characters and you've got some flawed male characters but somehow uh, it all works together and it's a rompy type of plot and it's a fast and frothy read, and everybody seems to have fun with it. So you can check that out on my website, download three free chapters, and then you can pick it up on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. And also, if you really want to support the show, again, please subscribe to the YouTube or subscribe to the podcast. It makes a huge difference. Anyhow, we've got a lot of great shows coming up. We've got a lot of great things coming on between now and the end of the year. I want to thank my producer, Chris for the wonderful work she does. I also want to thank all my great guests. There's so, so many cool people I've had a chance to interview and learn from. And I also want to thank, most importantly, my listeners and viewers, you folks out there who make it all possible. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving, a safe one. And uh, we'll see you soon. We'll see you next week. And until then, as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. Finish first.